For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One, two, three, four. You're listening to The Knicks Recap. Your source for all New York Knicks-related content. Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. I know you see him on screen. It's the collab that you've been waiting for, part two. And I got to do it. I got to do it right, Mark. So please let me do this. Please go for it. He is, first of all, you got to follow him at NY Knicks podcast. He hosts also the Brink of Sanity show. If you haven't listened to that, you got to listen to that too. 10 plus years, a decade of greatness on the air. Half of the Mark and Jay squad. Mark joins me from the New York Knicks podcast. What's going on, Mark? How are you doing today, man? Not much. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing real well. The Knicks are three and one. I was dancing in my underwear this morning. I'm feeling like a happy guy, you know, happy you, camper today. Are you ready to overreact? Because I feel like we need to overreact in the most positive direction possible. You know, oh, I'm going to overreact, man. Do you Definitely. know, do you remember last year the Knicks were five and one and the Celtics were two and five around this time? Yeah. But anyway, any overreaction we have now is totally like it means what. Like, this, this really means something. Last year's didn't mean anything. What I'm saying to you is, last year, I don't know what happened because it shouldn't have happened with the squad <laughs> that we had. Let's be real here, okay? So, at least this year, the best thing I can say is at least I understand why. It's because it's not like it's just happening. If we saw the games, and we're going to get into it. We have a, a list of topics, yeah. guys, so we're definitely going to get into this. But we saw a Knicks team or we're seeing a Knicks team that has a little bit more poise than last year's team. And for me, that really starts at the head of it all. The newest addition, our point guard, Jalen Brunson. You mean our point god? Yeah, because Chris Paul is <laughs> going to have to give that up. How old is he? I mean, come on now, man. I, give that up now. I love that. I was looking through like Knicks Reddit last night after the game, yeah. and so many people are like, he is him. Jalen is him. Like, everyone's like, we've anointed him. And I know it's only been four games. We saw him in preseason. Obviously, it's not like he's a rookie. He had years in Dallas. Last year, he looked pretty goddamn awesome in the playoffs. That's why we wanted to throw a lot of, like, throw the bags of money at him. Right. Um, but he looks, he looks like the answer at point guard. It looks like we found someone where we're, I, I was like, I was joking, like, hey, can we extend him? I know we only have him four years. Can we get him for eight? Can we sign him up? Can we get his grandkids? I want him on the team and it's, Future offspring. <laughs> Listen, man, Jalen Brunson for me, and, and look, I 100% agree with you, Mark. I think what he brings to this team, which, and I, it's funny, I spoke to Charlie Ward a couple of episodes ago, and we spoke about Jalen Brunson at length, and he says it too. 
It's the tone that he brings to the game, the way he sets the pace. We haven't had a guard do that since, what, Mark Jackson, Charlie Ward? Like, who's really been a leader on the floor at the guard position for us? When's the last person to do that? You could argue Skinny Felton. When he was first here with Amari, he looked he looked damn good. He put up, like, 18 points a game, like, that's seven or eight assists. He, like, his numbers were pretty good before the, the trade. Um, when he came back, he was a little bit round and less effective. Um, Jeremy Lin for a, ha- a hot second was awesome. Yeah. Jason Kidd before, like, old age. Kidd, like, Jason Kidd wasn't that great here, but he was, like, he, he knew what he was doing. Right. Jalen, he just looks like he looks like he knows what he's doing. Like, I also love, like, the Knicks need a point. It's not when the Knicks needed someone, like, we're, we're in a little bit of trouble. He's like, I can set someone up, but I can also just go down there and get the points myself. Yes. Yes. The thing is about Jalen Brunson, and I've, I spoke at length about Brunson in this regard, it's his ability to penetrate. Yes. And then find somebody because he doesn't, and he's so high IQ because when he's in there, he can juke you. He's so smart to know how many steps he's taken, how his ball control is. It's like I don't even think that he's undersized because he plays he plays he so plays, physical. Yes, he plays very physical. He plays bigger than he is. He also, like, I, I really appreciate the Orlando game when he had four fouls in the third quarter, and you're like, what the hell? And he's like, leave me in, coach. I'm going to actually play my heart out on defense and not get another foul. It's cool. Right. I'm good. Like, you feel like he's almost like, was this guy an all-star already? Because he's going to be an all-star. Like, this is we, – we figured it out at – so is this the point where we – the moment where we have to be like, the Rose, maybe he was playing 40 seconds or whatever? You know, listen, Leon Rose right now has a big question mark on his head. Because even with the – as you said, you know, with the early season right now, we're seeing some good progress. I'm going to yeah. get into why we're seeing good progress, but – Jalen Brunson was a big part of that. Obviously, he was a huge addition. That's a Leon Rose thing, so we can't ignore that. And Leon Rose spoke at length about that in his interview, saying how big of a signing Jalen Brunson is and what he was going to do for this team. And we all thought that Jalen Brunson was going to be good. We thought he was going to be solid. I don't think anybody expected him to have this type of start because I think you could make the argument, Mark, that the type of start he's having as a Nick. I'm trying to think. I'm really trying to think of who could have had a better debut as a New York Nick within this first four-game stretch. Not to overreact, but the last 20 years, what other signings are better or up there? Like, how many great signings the Knicks have in the last 20 years? You have just free agent signing. You got, like – and I'll include, like, the sign-in trades that are really free agent signings. I mean, like, Tyson Chandler was a great signing. That's true. Amari, so-and-so. Um are too many even free agent signings we've made in the last 20 years that are good. Like, as much as, like, you want to, like, I know you said the question mark on Leon, and I do have, a, I think Leon, there are a number of things I fault him for, um, but I have to say, like, and I, I wanted to, ch- to tr- uh, the draft Halliburton. Um, I was frustrated with, like, I'm like, we need a point guard, we need a point guard. I have to say, I'd rather have Brunson than Halliburton. He's delivered. It's year three, but I'm like, this guy should be manning, barring injury, he should be manning point guard for the next decade for the, for the Knicks. That's a huge statement, by the way, because Tyrese, by the way, right now is playing out of his mind. I think he's top assist leader right now. I think he's averaging like 10 or 11 assists. He's, he's a monster. Don't get me wrong, though. I, I love Jalen Brunson. I love what he does for this team, and I love his addition. But Tyrese Halliburton is, is real. I mean, he's, I wouldn't be upset. If, yeah, but, no, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be upset if we got him, but like the Knicks are also I mean, the paces are garbage. I mean, like it's like oh, yeah. he's playing great. The team's terrible. That's true. That's uh, true. But he but he does, you know, for what is worth, I mean, he could buy for most improved uh player this year. He's having a good start to the season. He's going to he's, he has a great future. Would you take Tyrese Halliburton over Brent Brunson right now? No. So there you go. I would. I would. <laughs> yeah. It's only because it's only because of what I've seen Brunson do. His fit. It's his chemistry, Mark. It's. It's doesn't it feel like he's played with his team for yeah. much longer? Because it, how is he doing these things with Randall, with Mitch, with RJ, with even Fournier to an extent? How is he doing this with just with practice? And he just got added. It's it's amazing. It's also like I'm like. Am I allowed to say my favorite Nick is a guy who's been on the team for four years? Like, four games? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's just it like, feels like that way. if you had to, like, rub up like, a GD lamp, and you're like, what do I want from a point guard? Maybe maybe taller um, and slightly better in defense. But generally, this is the guy I want. Um, and his defense is not as bad as, like, you would expect for a guy who's 6'1". He hustles really hard. He gets in front of guys. He's, he's tough. Here's the thing. So, I'm going to – before we get into the backcourt, because – you and I both know that's going to be a, a very yeah, good yeah, point yeah. here. Um, do you trust in Jalen Brunson? Like, um, when he has the ball now and we're down or we're close game, are you as worried as you were last year? Are you saying that, like, would I remove in God we trust on, like, my coin and put in Jalen I trust? I might do that, actually. I'm ready to change the currency of the U.S. Um, I think if I have the last shot of a game – I think the guy I'm most comfortable with shooting that last shot in the game, and maybe just because the rest of the team is also not like the best shooters in the world, but I am most comfortable with Jalen. And I also, what was the game one against Memphis? The last shot of the game, or last shot in regulation and overtime, instead of just having some crappy isolation, Jalen helps set up like, well, we have real plays because we have a real point guard. He's making, he's making Julius Randle look better. He's, I'm very happy. I'm very, are you, so you trust in Jalen at this point, four games in to overreact? In a very overreacting type of way, Jalen Brunts him is him because it's... this guy has truly – I'm talking about I, – I said it this morning, Mark. I couldn't even believe the words that came out of my mouth. I love this team. <laughs> it's it, – the team obviously is not a contender yet, and they right, have a no, ways no. to go, right. but they look like – like Jalen looks for real. They have a lot of other issues to figure out. Um, it'd be nice if RJ played like the guy we were hoping he'd play like, but you feel like you nailed point guard. Randall is looking like, I don't like, I don't know where you want to go from here as far as which topics. No, um, no, I, I think, I think you made it perfect. Uh, you know, segue into it. I, we got to talk about Randall because last time we spoke, the biggest thing that we talked about is you got to trade him. You have to move him. Right. Cause you couldn't you, like, if you play him, it's not going to work out well. Well, to all our amazement in these at least four games, and it's four games, fans, <laughs> he has looked – he's looked really good. He looked actually pretty – he looked pretty good last year through five and one also, just to throw that out <laughs> there. But uh, <laughs> the, the, last, the last six-plus months, um, I included um, with social media, was just screaming, hey, it's, Randall's not working. We got to get rid of him. We got to move for pennies on the dollar to get rid of his contract. And every, every, every like once in a while, someone would say he was an all-star like a year ago. I'd be like, no, but he's done. And people would be like, yeah, it's been two years. He doesn't have a point guard. Maybe try him with a point guard. Maybe he'll look better. There's, it's impossible. There's no way he'd look better with a point guard. It's amazing what adding a point guard. I think Randall 
um, paraphrasing him, but he was saying something along the lines of like, having Jalen here makes everything so much easier. Um, he's made a commitment. It's a couple of things that Randall said he did over the summer, watching a lot of European basketball, the idea of just moving the ball more. And I think they said like uh, the time the ball, he holds the ball. Um, I think Begley reported like through three games, he was uh, holding the ball for half the time he's been holding it um, in last year. So like basically he's just not holding the ball as much. Um, and also he's just buying into the idea of like hustling. There are so many plays where I'm like, is that Randall running the floor? It's amazing. Here's the here, but here's the thing, Mark. For me, this is the biggest change in Randall. And I, I called it last night as well. Yeah. Leadership. Which was non-existent last year. Wasn't even there. This man is picking up players off the floor, encouraging his teammates to play harder. During a play last night, I don't know if you if you caught that. RJ Barrett was, you know, just obviously shooting horrific. Yeah, yeah. And Randall went up to him and hit him on his chest and said, be all right. What, when? When has he done that? When has he ever done that for, for RJ or any player for that matter? So he did that in the year he was the all-star. He was the team leader. Like there was a whole thing how he would every, – every city they'd go to, go to basically when they were traveling, he'd book a gym. He'd make sure everyone played together. Like he was the team leader. I think last year there was a, just a culmination of a lot of things. I think, I think there's behind-the-scenes stuff going on with Randall we don't know about that kind of affected him. Um, I also think like we took away a lot of things from the – like we had added Kemba, which was like a fake point guard. He couldn't really trust Kemba. He trusted Brunson. Um, he – at least he trusted Alfred more than he t- trusted Kemba. Um, I think losing Reggie Bullock really hurt this team a lot. Um, the guy, the main guy, the, the guy who was the, this is the guy who was, who was taking on the other team's best player, um, on defense. And now you didn't have that anymore. RJ was supposed to take over that role. RJ has not done the greatest job in taking over that role. I think also that kind of hurts RJ on the other side of the floor. Like when RJ has to guard Ja, he doesn't look good, as good on offense either. Yeah. Um, and I think getting Grimes maybe into the starting lineup would help. He could take over the hardest assignment and maybe give give RJ a little bit not a not rest, but like uh, give him the opportunity not to like kill himself on defense, basically. Before we jump into uh, Fournier and yeah. the backcourt, just uh, final thoughts on Randall. For me personally, I think I think this from what I'm seeing right now, it looks like a start of a comeback year because he's playing in rhythm, he's playing in good position, which is very key for him because when he catches down low because of how big he is and how how much he can use that size. And you saw it last night when he made the final bucket. He used his size to drive in hard to make that, you know, uh, that shot off the glass. So if he can do that consistently and Brunson's finding him like he is, he's going to have that year. What was killing me last year, one of the thing plays he does that kills me the most, beyond the spin move thing, is he would post up outside the three-point line, just post up and give me the ball. And you're like, you're 400 feet from the basket. What are you doing? Um, and he doesn't do that anymore. You haven't seen that because he trusts that the, like, I think having, having him be the point forward and having the offense run through him, if you're LeBron James, you can do that. Asking Randall to do that was kind of unfair. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not right to try to make, because Randall, of course, he had a great year, but yeah. great year doesn't mean LeBron James. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. not going to be LeBron. And also, has any player ever won Most Improved Player of the Year twice? I don't think so. Could he do that? Could he do that? Is, is it possible to do that if you won it already once and you had a it's, bad year? And I guess you could. I don't know. Actually, that's a good. I may have to look that up. That's a. That's a really. You stumped me here today. I don't know the be, answer to that. It'd be funny though. Like if you like if somehow like it, like he plays well and makes an All Star team, yeah. um, then you'd be like, let's see, All Star following year he was 
dumpster fire back to All Star. I think you kind of gave it to him again. Okay, wait, put you on the spot then. Yeah. Can he be an All Star this season? I mean, if he keeps playing like this, yeah. I mean, he has these tools. Um, I mean, so one of the things you talked about on your last show was Obi's minutes, and they're going to be a problem because Randall is playing well. And I know you killed, uh, Ob- like you said, like how can Tibbs play Randall for 40 minutes last night? When in fairness to Tibbs, if not for overtime, he would have played 35 minutes, which is actually pretty reasonable for your starter. Um, I'd like to see Randall around like 32 minutes a game. I think he's averaging like 33 so far in the season. Um, 32, and but 32 only gives like 16 minutes for Obi. And I just, I like Obi, but uh, it's tough finding a fit for him. I don't want to trade him because I feel like I feel like trading him, you're not going to get the value for him. So I'd rather write out his contract and pr- try to bring him back. Um, but the issue with Obi also is uh, he's an exciting player. But he's a bit of a limited player. His defense isn't that great. His rebounding is not that great. His passing is not that great. You give him the ball, he can't seem to really dribble. He can't create his own offense. If you hit him the ball, he doesn't even post up. He does awesome dunks. He's very exciting. He runs the floor. But I mean, like, good Randall versus good Obi, it's not even close. Randall's a much better player. Right. And look, look, look. And let me say this. If you're just comparing talent-wise, of course Randall's better than Obi as of right now. And it's not only because of the talent that he's already shown. He's an all-star. I mean, just based yeah. off of that. I mean, come on now. But we know that. But here's the thing. Obi Toppin is not going to shine or do anything in 13 minutes. If he's averaging 13 minutes a night, you can't see enough to judge what he can do. He, he does a couple of things good within the minutes that he plays. He gets, you know, a couple of threes here and there, a couple of dunks because he ekes out his best trait is being able to be a one-man fast break to like, electrify that, you know, that fast break. And that's what he's there for to, to, uh, to do that. So in that regard, he plays his role very well. The problem is, and, and I, I know this from yesterday as well too, Randall's going to have nights where he's going to have it like that. He's going to be on. He's going to be killing his matchup. And I'm okay if on some nights, if Randall has it, let Randall eat. If he has the better matchup, let him eat. And let Obi, you know, ride the bench a little bit that night. Yeah. yeah. But at least... If, you know, if it's, if he's not matchup dependent, or let's say the matchup is a little harder, let Toppin get some time. Let there be a little bit of an even type of keel here, because if Toppin's going to give you 13 minutes a night, and I love Toppin, trade him. It's not worth it to see Toppin for 13. He's not going to do anything. It's not impactful. You just, you just extended him. Why extend him? And even though I get it from a team friend, it's a one year. One like, no. yeah. And and for and just for monetary standpoint and for the team, it just makes sense on that regard. But even so, you extended him because you find some type of value in him, right? Right. But How you're are not you gonna show it if you don't play him more than 13 minutes a night. The thing is, like he if he's on one night, he'll get more minutes. It depends on how the flow of everything's going. So last night's game, he only got 13 minutes. And normally I wanted to get more than 13 minutes, but the offense, he hit some threes, but the offense looked pretty stagnant with him out there. And part of the reason was IQ out. IQ has done a so-so job of running the point guard, and yeah. he wasn't doing the best job right at that at that time. And it was the second half. IQ wasn't doing the best time. The offense, the game seemed like we could start slipping, and so they brought Randall back. Tibbs brought Randall back in because he needed the he needed another guy who could do playmaking. And the problem is that like um, Obi is very dependent on having a point guard set him up. Um, it's the problem is he's just a hard player to like, he's exciting. He hit some threes, which was like almost a miracle last night. Um, I mean, three or four from him is pretty darn good. Um, 
but he didn't get any dunks last night. No fast breaks. Um, he had one layup, which he missed. He gives away something on defense. If you need rebounding, he gives away on down rebounding. I think his inability to what kills me the most is that like he'll stand outside the outside the arc and he'll like ask for the ball, give him the ball, and it, the first thing he does when he gets the ball is give it back, like any center who's scared to dribble. Why can't he dribble the ball and attack the paint? Why is he so scared to like either post up around the rim or just dribble and attack? In a fairness to Obi, a lot of times when he does that, it's off of IQ. And a lot of times when IQ does that, it's to reset. So that's sometimes I think Obi realizes that and passes it. But yeah, he needs to be more aggressive, especially if he's want to get more minutes. Because, But here's the thing, though. If you're saying if he plays a good game, I can make the argument, Obi, when he played yesterday, um, a part, and again, defense with Obi is definitely a good point. Because <laughs> I look at plus minus more than anything else, right? That's my yeah. favorite stat. Because even with RJ, he had a terrible game, right? It was a plus seven. Because yeah. his, his defense uh, was I, there. I right? honestly don't love plus minus, but yeah, go on. <laughs> I, I, the reason I like it as the best stat is because it's when people do a stat sheet read and they don't watch yeah. the game and they just go based off the stat sheet, that, that's, you know, that's a terrible way to you know, understand right, the game. You, right, have, right, you have to be yeah, able yeah. to watch the game and look at the stats as well. It's like analytics and optics, right? When they have that argument. I use both, right? right you you have to use analytics to understand it and optics to realize what you're seeing. Because optics... You're not going to be able to see Brunson's leadership on the on the stat sheet. I can't you, see that. You, you said you said you made the point your last on the last year you did that. Uh, Mitch's numbers, I guess the six blocks were awesome, but everything else was kind of pedestrian. But he had an awesome game. He was so impactful. They don't win without him last night. Um, absolutely not. So like sometimes the numbers aren't reflected. I, I, plus or minus is a give or take. I feel like sometimes people use them when they really when they want to support their argument and just ignore them when they don't like the, don't like what it shows. For me, I, it depends on how far how far away it is, right? If we're talking about like negative twenty three, oh, I'm gonna kill you for it. But if we're talking about, because there's no way you can hide that, because plus and right. plus minus negative twenty three, I could definitely see you do something wrong there. There's no yeah. way you're getting that much. He had about a ne- he was a negative seven, Obi, right? Okay. So I when it gets to, when it gets around that level, I take a little look, because I think it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And the reason he had that was again to your point, it was defense. Uh, he's a liability a little bit out there. He, he got better on blocks. He, he can stay in front of his man, but he does get beat. To be fair, though, RJ gets beat a hell of a lot, and we're going to get into that. Fournier gets beat and then commits freaking fouls and slaps you on the damn wrist like he's, like he's trying to take a bagel from your hand and stuff, right? This is what this man do- I'm going to go into. I'm sorry, Mark. I, I'm is there any way we can, mer- we can find a scientist who can merge Frank Nilakina and Evan Fournier? They're both French. Can we just merge their bodies into one person? Because yeah, one guy know. can play defense and can't play offense. The other way, like, they'd be the greatest combination. I think, um, Frank's, I think Frank's inability on offense might mix with Evan's inab- yeah, ability on offense, yeah. and then it would, it would cancel each other out. Right, That's right, right. They, 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 what we'd end up with is the Knicks version of Dennis Smith. We played pretty well last night. <laughs> Again, because another Nick. It's like I remember the Brandon Jennings days. You know, like people either we don't draft or we, we, we don't, like, you know, sign on our team for right. some reason, go off for whatever the reason. But whatever. Look, but, listen. So I think the issue yeah. with Obi is um, if Randall plays well, Tibbs is going to I, – I, so I feel like ideally um, you keep Randall's minutes around 30, 31 minutes, maybe 32 minutes a game, keeps him a little fresher. Gives more minutes for Obi. If Obi in the Brent's unit is cooking, you leave them out there a little longer, which I think um, um, Tibbs did do in one of the games. Um, See, here's the thing, though. That's preseason. I think he did it in because look at this. If he was hitting threes consistently, right? And Obi, like to your point, when he gets hot, he gets hot, right? And he shoots it. Yeah. yeah. And 
if that's the case, and you know the defense is, you know, a little bit of a liability with him in there, why not just adjust the lineup around Obi and see what he can do, right? Why not right, even try that? So the other argument is making uh, Randall and, uh, and Obi out there. So if you do that, Randall has to play center because uh, Obi can't play center. And first, I don't know. It's all about – I don't know if Randall's up for playing center. I don't think he like, can I, right like, now either with the weight loss. He's not even that – he's not even – with the, with the size, he's not even that as big as he was last season to kind of take as much contact as the centers are going to give him now. Yeah. I mean, he's a big dude. If I was almost playing small yeah. ball, like, I, like he's – I guess you could argue he could play center. Um, he's a great rebounder for a forward. Um, but also, it's a tough lineup to do for two reasons. First, you're giving up a lot on defense. People are like, well, the offensive potential of all that. But also, then you're then you're limiting Mitch's minutes. Mitch has been goddamn awful, awesome so far. On, 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 and then, you know what? Isaiah Hardison didn't come here not to play. You got a pretty good backup. It's hard to say, like, hey, Isaiah, we're going to take minutes from you and give them to, uh, to Obi. Then people will be like, why isn't Hardison playing? Hardison looks pretty darn good also. Yeah, 18 minutes. Yeah, he played. But that, oh, that's no, solid. Minutes. I think he got that's minutes solid. And, and he, you know what? He came out because uh, Hornets were killing us. We needed uh, Mitch's defense back in the game. Oh, On yeah. the other hand, Hardison played 40 minutes in the first game. Like there, I will leave it to Tibbs to give a little bit of ebb and flow. Like one guy's playing better, one guy's not playing as well. The minutes are never going to work out that easily. I think the minute thing is kind of a tough thing to manage. I don't trust Tibbs with these minutes, Mark. At the post game press conference yesterday. Yeah. This man said, I would love to play McBride. I'd love to play Sims. But you know what? We've got 10 people that I can play consistently. More or less, I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what he said. When he said that to me, it already more or less locked in the fact that Cam or Grimes, one of them are going to be the odd man out. That's number one. And number two, that the depth that we have, the reason that we could be so dangerous is not going to be utilized. To be fair, uh, like McBride, every time we've seen him on the court, his defense looks awesome. He's his his offense is terrible. Like he doesn't seem to like he like he just he plays the G League. He puts up forty points a night, but he has not been able to translate in the NBA. I like McBride a lot. Maybe he'll get there, uh, but it's hard to play him. Sims looks awesome. He could he could basically hit the ceiling of the, how high he jumps. But are you going to play him over Mitch or are you play him over Isaiah? I'd rather just give those guys the 48 minutes. I'm not going to play Sims. We challenge you on something really quick. The Memphis yeah. game, right? Isaiah yeah, Hardison yeah. played how many minutes? 40 minutes. It was a lot Did of minutes. Have, and in terms of uh, Memphis, right, one of their biggest things, but well, one of the things that they do very well is not only control pace because they're one of the fastest teams in the league, yeah, yeah. but their offensive rebounding because Steven Adams, you know, one of the top – I think he was, he was the top uh, offensive rebounder last season. He's uh, right behind Mitch, right? So if you know that and Mitch is gone, or you're not going to play him because he has five fouls. Well, Mitch, why Mitch, play, Mitch couldn't handle Adams, so. Why wouldn't you play Jericho Sims in there? Because at least he gives you shot blocking more than Isaiah Hartenstein would give you. Here, here's why. Here's why. Because the Knicks were down by like 19 in the third quarter, and suddenly they tied the game. Isaiah Harson was on the floor. He was a big reason they came back to tie the game. Why change course? The guy was playing. Harson had a great game that first game. You remember, they took him out, put Mitch back in, and then put Isaiah Hartenstein back in. And then again, that sure, that led to that comeback, right? That led to Yeah, that, you they, know. they, you however, came back and tied the game. Like, that's however, a pretty we big don't thing. Know, we don't know what would have happened if Sims would have been in there. Because when Isaiah went left, right? And we had, we obviously, Sims put Mitchell back in there because we needed the interior defense that yeah. Mitchell gives, that Hartenstein cannot give on his best right, day. Absolutely. Hartenstein's great, but he's not Mitch in there. 
they're different players. And, and not, neither is Sims. To obviously, Sims is not even there, not even close yet. But yeah. in terms of what he can bring, in terms of shot blocking, and his just because of his jump, his athleticism, how high he can jump. Why wouldn't you at least try to give it there? Because you wanted that anyways. That's why you put Mitch in. And if Jericho Sims can give you at least a version of that, why not put it out there? You were down 19 to your point. Yeah, but you you put in Hart. Hart got you from 19 to a tie game. Um, and he had some like, some big shots down, the, down and near the end of the game or in overtime. I forget exactly. But he had a couple big shots. I feel like if you, you you have a lineup, if you're down by a lot, the game looks at, like lost, and you have a lineup that gets you to tie the game, you might want to keep going with that lineup as much as you can. Just a, my, Play the hot hand. Is, yeah. My point is you didn't know that. Because you, you, did, you didn't know that for the first game of the season. You didn't you know, didn't know that you until you put Hart in, but you put Hart in, and he got, got you there. Um, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to play more than 10 guys. It's a yeah. lot. Like, the minutes go down. I think uh, so. Memphis last year, they played. Uh, I I think I made this point before, and at least our show. Um, so Ja played, I think, thirty-two minutes a game, and then no one else played over thirty. And they have a very balanced attack, and that's yeah. pretty awesome. I think ten guys is about the limit you could do that with, though. Maybe eleven. It's really tough to make everyone's minutes. You're gonna get like guys have to play twenty-five minutes at least. Most of the guys. The, but see, Mark. Here's the thing: there are coaches nowadays. Who have a lot of depth. The Clippers, for, for one, right? And they utilize their depth. Not only for load management. That's part of the reason they utilize Yeah, did you it. know Clippers have so much depth? They, they're barely playing Kawhi. It's working out really well. Who? <laughs> Kawhi. Yeah. Uh, who? who yeah. Yeah. I think oh, the Claw. Played, but... Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Forgot. It's been like five years. I forget. Anyways. Um, no, no, no. But listen, the Clippers, Ty Lue, that's yeah. the way he utilizes depth is the way Thibodeau's utilized that. Because the way he utilizes it is based off of matchup dependent. He doesn't care because obviously you're going to have your core stars. I'm, I obviously we know Randall's going to be there. We know, we obviously know, um, you know, RJ's going to be there. Brunson's going to be there. Mitch is going to be there, but see the minutes part. That's what's different. It depends on matchup and he'll, he will ride the hot hand. So I don't I, think Thibs will do that. Cause I think when Thibs sees somebody, he's so, he's so worried about, you know, just matching lineups or when somebody gets switched out to switch them back in. Cause he does that. He did that all last season. To an extent, I saw him do it with Obi this time around. To your point, Hart was eating at a certain point in time. He took him out, probably for a rest at that point, yeah, and then yeah. had to put him back right back in. But again, you could have put Sims in. My point is that we don't know what would have happened if Sims was in that spot. We'll never know at this point. Now the game's already over with. But my point is, is like he didn't even try it at that point. So I have little faith, little faith that he's going to continue to do that. But look, let, let's let's uh, he's, let's he's, to, uh, uh I'll do I'll, I'll do address that, and then we'll, we'll move on. Go ahead. So his track record is not great on that, but I think he's done a little better job in the, for, through four games so far. I will um, agree with you on that. I will yeah, agree with you on that. that. The track record's not good, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I think also we're also arguing, like, like we want to – so if when Grimes comes back um, – and by the way, I think the latest report on Grimes, I don't know if you heard, but his leg got amputated. But they think he'll be back in, like, a couple games. <laughs> I don't know. They're like, they're like, his foot kind of hurts. And we're not going to see him the rest of the season. What like, is I, this I, mysterious I, sore foot, bro? They're like, he's I, sore foot. What he is played, this? He played in one preseason game, and then suddenly he's just disappeared. They're like, they're like, they're like, they're like he's just, um, something's, what's wrong with him? We're going to find out he had surgery? Like, Yeah, somebody has to tell me what is the sore foot, because it sounds like he's going to need surgery, because it's not, it doesn't seem like it's getting better at any point. So they're not really giving us an update, really. On yeah. I don't even know if they know a lot about it. It's, it's. It's a weird thing right now. What is this weird sore foot? So 
I've only seen him sitting on the bench. I haven't seen him standing. I don't know if he still has legs. I mean, I don't know. The way to Nick's medical staff. Um, but, like, you're right. So, if Grimes comes back, there's going to be an issue in the sense of, like, Cam has looked pretty good. And then you also, Evan, who you're not a fan of. Um, and I asked on Twitter today, I was like, what do you, uh, should Cam start over Evan? And before, until Grimes comes back. And people were pretty mixed on that. A lot of people think, like, Evan, I mean, realistically, he did set the Knicks record. I mean, people kind of go go crazy about this. But he did set the Knicks record for three-pointers point, three last year. He can go off some nights. There are a bunch of games last year where he was the man. He's a very good shooter. If he's on, you want him shooting. His defense is crap. The reason his defense looks so bad, poor, though, is because he sucks on defense, and Randall's below average on defense also. I mean, not Randall. Randall is also, but I meant RJ. It's like, if you had someone else, you having both of them out there doesn't help. Having... Having a bunch of guys, and Brunson's like small, like it's too many poor defenders out there at once. Insert Grimes situation fixed. Because I agree. Fournier, Evan Fournier, first of all, is a liability on defense. I'm shocked, friggin' shocked that Thibs allowed this man to foul out before pulling him. <laughs> I would have pulled him had he gotten five fouls for the exact same thing, I would have pulled his ass. Let me explain to you his five fouls because it was clear as day to me. Sure. Guard, get beat, one. He did, yeah, he does that a Guard, lot. Guard, get beat, two. Didn't oh, he have wait, one? He had a take me? foul also. You didn't see me? Yeah. And a take. This wait, man wait. is a liability on defense and his shooting. For whatever it's worth, right? I think it was 6-11 from, uh, from the field yesterday. Two of six from three. So go ahead. When he broke that three-point record, by the way, here's what a – when people do these things in, in seasons that the Knicks don't do anything, it's, a, it's meaningless to me. So great. I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he can put it on his accolade shelf and he can look at it forever. means nothing to a, to a lost season now, not doing right. nothing for him to this season. And the fact of the matter is Brunson – Mitch, Randall, and RJ, those four are getting your majority of shots. Who's left out? I would like to see Grimes in the starting lineup. It makes sense. Um, but I also feel like I actually would like to see Cam in the starting lineup over Fournier. I think Fournier might look a lot better in the second unit, but he's going to play. There's no question of question. He's going to get like 20 minutes a night. Let him play. It's, I don't yeah. want him playing. I don't want him. I don't want to see him start because look, Jalen Brunson, for how physical and how good he is. He cannot stop people from shooting over him. That's one yeah. thing he can't do. So you need somebody to help him on defense. And who's a good help defender? Who's a 3 and D specialist who came out of college that way? Quinton Grimes, the valuable one. The guy that would never want to be moved for any type of trade. I'm not going to say what trade. But again, I'm, all I'm going to say is we know that the Knicks value him very highly. So let me see the man in action. Once the mysterious foot injury goes away, heals, or whatever happens to it, let me see him in action. But until then, to your point, I would love to see Cam start. Because but, but, I think Cam's defense, because even all, what he gives you on offense, which again is shaky, preseason was extremely shit. It was probably the worst he's looked at the Knicks in preseason. I, it, it was terrible. 
So the fact that he came on in the in the regular season this way when it matters, it's, it's great, first of all, as a Knicks fan to see that, but it makes your heart kind of twist in a way because you're like, I don't know which Cam to believe. Is it preseason Cam I'm going to get most of the time? Or is it going to be this new invigorated Cam who plays defense and extends his hands and plays the passing lane and tries to get steals and keeps his man in front of him and runs to the basket to try to, to, try to go east and west? Like, did you see that the other game against Detroit? He went west coast, east coast. With the ball, he's capable of doing things like that. It was funny how, like, during the preseason, you were like, is this guy going to be the NBA very much longer? And then, like, and then you're like, game one of the season, you're like, against Memphis, he could have been the best player on the floor. The best player on the Knicks, that, that, at least. Um, outplayed R.J. Barrett. Easily. Outplayed R.J. He's, I mean, arguably outplaying R.J. Barrett so far this season. Um, I agree. R.J.'s, uh, yeah. No, 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 let's, no, let's do it. Let's do I, it. I, I, I'm going to go off on him, Mark, so go, please. Please go ahead and try to check me real quick before I go hey off on him. Before you go, go off, ahead. I I just have a question, a moment from last night's game. At the end of the game, the Knicks are uh, they're the Knicks have to get the ball in, um, get fouled and go to the line, and they get the ball in. It goes to RJ. RJ is supposed to hand the ball back to Brunson, and he doesn't. It was clearly Brunson's like, give me the goddamn ball back. He doesn't, and my I'm like, holy shit, RJ has to shoot the two most important free throws of the game. We are so – god damn it. Um, and then he hit the ball three throws, so I didn't feel as bad. But <laughs> So that's the one thing that's the only thing, the only positive I'm going to give Barrett is those free throws were clutch. It was one of the reasons we won the game because had he missed them, I would have – first of all, I would have killed him for it. But not only that, um, you know, obviously he said he's improved from the free throw line. He said that's what he worked on the offseason. It looks better. His form looks better. I'll give him that. Yeah. And it's going in. We won the game because of it. So part of it anyways because of that. So happy about that. But um, before I go off, please, uh, Mark, so, I just want to hear your comments on R.J. Barrett. What have you? What do you think so far of R.J. Barrett's game thus far this season? And just overall comments on, you know. I mean, he's a confusing RJ. player. Like the, uh, Like, you know he can shoot on some level, and sometimes he's just really cold. Like, the season, two years ago, he shot 40% from three for a whole season. And that included, I think about the first month of the season, he was terrible from three. And hit shot so well from there to get it up to 40%. Spectacular, really. Then last year, he sucked. He's a guy, like, it's just a... I don't think ever think he'll be a great shooter, but he can be smarter about his shots. And yes. sometimes, like, I noticed last game, um, twice he did this, like... He, he one of the things he, he does a lot is two or three guys will be at the at the rim. He'll run head first into the guys, so he can't get like he'll just barreling the guys, just drawing the contact. It's like no chance of scoring because you're just going right into traffic. Twice yesterday, I think it was, where he just kind of pulled up and shot from like seven feet out and went right in. And he wasn't running. It was like, oh, maybe you could try that if there's eight guys about to guard you. Just switch it up a little bit, make it a little harder in the defense. Sometimes he gets the bat. I love his attack the basket style. Um, I do. There's a theory that basically because he has to guard the hardest guy on the other team, maybe makes him a little ti- more tired, or maybe having Grimes. That who knows. But his shooting could be better. Um, right now, he doesn't justify really more than thirty minutes a night. Um, but he also, all seasons we've had him on the team, at least the last two especially. He had times when he looked like hot garbage and times when he looked awesome. Last year was more garbage. Um, but he came, like last year, I think the first two months of the year, he was, looks terrible. 
then at least he came on scoring and he was really attacking the basket. Um, I still have high hopes for RJ. I don't think he'll ever be a max type player, but um, he he's he's gonna be better from here. He's gonna be better than this. What what are your uh, what are your takes? Okay, RJ Barrett, and I'm a huge RJ Barrett fan. I think you know this too. I yeah. I love RJ, and I I want to make that clear before I say anything. Before before you let's talk about how how much you hate him. Go on. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say I really yeah. love him, but let me just I'm going to. Insult every member of his family. Go on. Yeah, before before I just go off. I love RJ. I believe in him. I, I said it even before. I even created a graphic of it. I want him to be an all-star. I think he has the capability and the talent to do so, especially if he focuses on both ends of the floor. Talk about this season. Widely ineffective, not impactful. It's like he's not even playing. Take away the Detroit game. It's like he didn't even play. <laughs> when you shoot seven for 19, eight for, like, if you've got to take 21 shots to get 22 points. It's also him missing big shots. Like at the end of the, uh, the, the, uh, the Charlotte game, in overtime, he had an open three, misses it, gets his own rebound, and then misses the putback. It's like he's not confident. It's like he's lacking confidence with that unit because either Jalen Brunson is such a you know big time guy with Randall playing out of his mind as well too that he feels like he can't cook in the same way. I th- and again I think the best lineup I've seen RJ with thus far this season has yeah. been Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett at the two, Cam Reddish at the three, Obi Toppin and Hartenstein because that unit plays fast and RJ is the clear cut number one option within that unit. Nobody will get a shot before RJ. Within the starting lineup right now, you can make the argument it would be Brunson, Randall, and then RJ. Even yeah. in some cases, it could be Brunson, Randall, Fournier, and then RJ. And I don't like Fournier at all, but I can admit to myself that at least he becomes a threat on three to pull defense there so there's a lane open in the paint that somebody can take advantage of. If RJ's shooting the three, I'm, surprised, I'm sorry to say this, it's almost like Russ taking a three. Where they just leave him there now because it's like he's not gonna make it, and the, RJ's he, becoming that ineffective because he's taking bad shots. To your point, he's not taking great shots. His 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 level of IQ when he's taking these shots are very low, because he's taking them either in traffic. And by the way, by the friggin' way, RJ, when you go into the paint, can you do something else besides throw it up in the exact <laughs> same way, the exact same time, in the same direction? Every friggin' I can block you now. I know the secret. I know exactly what you're gonna do. It's like a movie that I've seen a thousand times. I know what you're gonna do. Can you fake me? Can you stop? Can you pivot? Can you pass? Can you do something to make this defense second guess so they don't block your shot? Because all I'm seeing is a block shot, a turnover, or a bad pass. It's enough. We pay this guy 107 million, and it's not about the money, by the way, but 107 million guaranteed, 120 million. When you get that money, I'm not giving you a rookie exception anymore. You're not a rookie. Young man, 22 years old, in this business, in this game, improved every year. No way in hell am I expecting this level from RJ. In my opinion, he looks like the most overpaid person on the Knicks right now. So, yeah, I think he's gonna get back. He's gonna play back. I, I, I know you're you're very passionate about that, but uh, 
And it's sometimes and some nights if you play the drinking game, um, I'm gonna take a shot every time uh, RJ gets blocked. You'll die of alcohol poisoning. But he's also not this bad from three. He's pr- usually pretty good in the corner threes. There'll be some nights he'll be on. He's not this bad of a shooter. Like, how many games do you give him for this slow start? Because that's what everybody's saying on Twitter, by the way. There's, there's oh, no, it's a slow start. He's gonna yeah, get better. He how does many this, games do you give him? But there's no how many games you give him because if RJ doesn't play well. Like, where's the team going? Like, this team's not going. There's no, like, value in, like, benching him. Like, the team's just not going anywhere if he's not, he's not playing Will well. Will Thibs bench him, though? Do you think Thibs has a heart to bench think, RJ if he's not playing well? I don't think it's the heart. I think it's the same issue of benching Randall last year. It's that if we if this guy's not playing well, we have to, he's got to figure it out because we're going nowhere without him playing well. You can't – your best players, if they're not playing – if, like – well, I was going to say the Lakers and LeBron, but they're, they're terrible. Um – if if uh if Steph Curry has a game has three weeks of just one for nineteen shooting every night, Golden State's not gonna be like Kerr's not gonna bench him. Kerr's gonna say, We're not winning without Steph Curry making these shots, so he's just gonna keep playing. Let me challenge you on something real quick. Monty Williams, Suns head coach, right? Yeah. Chris Paul played like shit. Yeah. And then Monty Williams said, All right, I'm gonna bench you. Bench Chris Paul. One of the probably a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game, benched his ass. I mean, that's, usually that's – you should do that in the playoffs for Chris Paul, not in the regular season. But uh, that's when but he's really going to – yeah, yeah. No, is, yeah, you're, you're, it sends a statement. It does send a statement, um, and some guys it could work for. And maybe Monty, like, thought it would work for Chris Paul. Maybe, like, he didn't think it would work. I think it's a delicate thing with a locker room, and it's delicate to bench a guy. Um, and I do think Tibbs will play RJ. He showed last year there were games where RJ played a lot less. Um, I think he's closing lineups. He's, he's, he's a little bit rigid about his starting units, but his closing lineups are definitely not rigid. He goes with the guys who are playing well. So if RJ is not playing well, he's not going to be out there. There's also, until Grimes comes back, you have less answers on the floor. Like, you have less replacements. I mean, really, right now, 11 through, I guess, like, a, so Cam would be, a, sorry, uh, 12 through 15 on the roster are unplayable guys. I mean, the guy's just not going to play very much. I guess Sims included. It's just, you're not going to really put them out there. Um, yeah. So it's really like, and the only guys are going to come in for RJ, you're going to give Grimes his minutes. Who else are you going to give his minutes to? Like, there aren't too many guys to give his minutes to. Yeah. And also, IQ, it's not like everyone else is looking amazing. IQ, he had eight assists against, against the other night against Orlando. Last night, last night, he hit some shots. IQ has been okay so far. He hasn't been great. He's a yeah. little bit inefficient. Um, if you had a little more depth, you had like, if you had some guys really fighting to take his minutes, it'd be different. If Grimes was here and Grimes was playing so well, um, that'd be different. If Cam, if Cam wasn't also super inconsistent. Um, so I, I think RJ, I don't think he's going to keep playing like trash. Um, if RJ keeps looking like trash, I think the season, though, your season hinges on certain players. And if those players aren't playing well, you're just not going anywhere. And also, like, the that, like, Trying to, like, you don't want to break RJ's confidence and have him just turn out to be nothing. Because, like, where are we going? If RJ, if RJ does not come out, does not become better, well, that really is a huge hit to the roster. RJ needs to take a step. We all knew that. We all, yeah. we, well, that's, that's the expectation because, obviously, if the Knicks were going to do anything, right? If the Knicks are even going to try to do anything, RJ needs to step up. Because, look, we beat uh, Detroit, right? We beat yeah. um, the Hornets and... Uh, 
What's the other team to be the first team? Orla- uh, Orlando, Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, we got yeah. a rough schedule so, coming up. Also, right. So we so we beat three teams that we were supposed to beat, more or less, because the yeah. Hornets were undermanned, right? Yeah. Uh, Pistons are young, and the Magic are just as young as well too. So we should have we should have won those games, and we did. The next two games are against the Bucks, the Cavs. Bucks who are probably gonna looking like, especially if Middleton comes back as healthy and good as we expect him to, they could be another, you know, in a in a the Eastern Conference Finals basically. Yeah. That's that's where they're expected to be. Cavaliers are my sleeper team. I think they're going to surprise the entire East. I think they're gonna be top three in the East. That's how good of that uh, team I think that is. Evan Mobley, if he figures it out this year and can put it together and he takes a step, not only will he be an all-star, he'll put that team on a different page. Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley together being able to create like that. And then you have uh, Jared Allen being able to block, get rebounds, and clean up. Plus Darius Garland, who's awesome. And he's injured right now. And they're still doing good. Yeah, (laughs) I mean. And they have Levert. They have Karius Levert as well, too. They're stacked. So the Knicks have some tough games ahead of them. Yeah. This is going to be a true task. Like the, you're right. The last three games, like, the Knicks, you have to win the games against the teams that are worse than you. All three teams are just worse than the Knicks. It's a very good sign. They won all three games. It doesn't matter how close. I mean, it's nice that they're all blowouts. Last night went to overtime. You got the W. That's all that matters. You got to win some of these games against the good teams, though. See, listen, I just want to point that out there. Yeah. Atlanta, who's seen right now as a top contending team, Got beaten by that same Hornets team by 17 points. Yeah. So just just want to put it out there. That's they lost. That was their first loss of the season. So any NBA team can beat another NBA team. Don't get it twisted. And this Hornets team was third, and I think it still is third in the league currently at shooting the three. 41.6% shooting the three as a team. So they can shoot it. And the problem with the Knicks, one of the biggest things, and I think we want to talk about this as well too. It's how we close out on shooters. Because so, the corners are just open for business at times. Yesterday, P.J. Washington and uh, Kelly Oubre, what are they doing? They were just stuck in the corners just shooting threes. Now, give it to Charlotte. Their ball movement was good. But if we can't even catch these shooters, that's how games are either going to get lost or how teams are going to catch back in. So right before we get to this topic, I just want to ask you, so do you know uh, which team has the, the most points per game in the NBA right now? Points. It's either the Cavs or the Celtics. Right? It's the Hornets. Is it the Hornets? Really? And number two right now is the Knicks. No way. Yeah. Just oh, looked. wow. That's a crazy um, stat. I and thought the Knicks it, were around five before. They jumped to two already? They jumped to two. I was looking just let me let me double check this to make sure I'm not telling everyone the wrong thing. Right. I, um, I was like, hang on. No, I, I, scoring, right? Yeah, yeah. And first in scoring in points per game. Yeah, Charlotte's number one at 124. And Knicks are number two at 122. Um, and also interesting... Um, going to advanced stats, um, yeah. offensive rating. Where do you think the Knicks are? Top five. Yeah, they're, well, they're fifth. Um, and defensive rating. Where do you think they are now? Uh, definitely top three. They're eighth. No but way. also they gave, they gave a million points last night. So I mean that, that doesn't uh, help. Probably weighed their average way down. You know what? Uh, actually, their defense has looked uh, pretty good. But again, we did. We we're just talking about it. Actually, I'm not surprised the way they defend the three. Yeah, so the way they defend the three is – so it's an interesting thing about defending the three. So year one of Tibbs, the Knicks were the best – like, I mean, how do you judge three-point defense? By, by how, how – their, their field goal percentage you get, the three-point percentage. That's right. the best way to judge it, basically. There's no other, like, great way to judge it. Um, and so the Knicks had the best um, three-point percentage – like, they, they held the opponents the lowest three-point percentage, right? Correct. And then last year, 
I think for the like the first twenty or thirty games, I was like, can they guard anyone from three? It's really goddamn frustrating. Yeah. Knicks finished, I think, sixth in the league in three point percentage. Again, the defense. So the question is, so last night's game, it seemed like I'm like, first of all, Charlotte is right now, I think, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Um, and you're like, last night, it seemed like they were going, they were hitting so many threes. I was getting really frustrated. Then I looked at the box score. I'm like, oh, they only hit two more threes than we did. I guess it wasn't that many more threes. And they hit 41%, the Knicks hit 36%. It wasn't that difference of a margin. See, the stat is different. The stat the is shots. The shots that they took versus the shots that we took, their shots were almost completely open compared right, to but our shots were, were more defended. Fair enough. But the results were basically the same. The results were like two, diff- two different threes. And so Tibbs' style is protect the paint and jump out at the three-point shooters. And the question really is, I sometimes find too many guys are open from three, but two years in, Tibbs' strategy seems like, seems like at the, by the end of the season, it seems like a pretty effective strategy. So can't some wait, nights though. you can't wait till the end of the well, season no, to but see like, the strategy. But I'm just saying, statistically, over the course of the season, more nights than not, guys or teams are missing. Like more nights, more times than not, you're closing out in time. Teams are missing every once in a while. I mean, last year I went to see the Knicks versus the Cavs. Ricky Rubio, I think, hit 43s against us. It was so brutal. But we're high, I think. You got yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Thank but you I, for that reminder. Oh, God. Yeah. Great. Uh, I was at that game. It was awful. But uh, <laughs> generally speaking, though, like, so, so you, you play the stats. You play the, like, the, like, sometimes you, it's like the shift in baseball. You're playing the odds. Yeah. And his style, the odds are there's some nights you're going to get crushed this way. But most nights, it's going to work out for you. It seems like if he's finishing sixth in the league and first, the first, like, last year, I have to say they have to close out on the three-point shooters better. Um, I think sometimes also guys just leave their man, which is idiotic. But overall, Tibbs knows what he's doing with guarding the three-point line, even though it doesn't always look like it is. Where did six in the league get us last year? Well, it doesn't. I'm just saying it. The actually. That's my point. My point but, is. My, my point is, the Knicks. What they do is right. It's a difference. It's a different thing because I remember why at COVID season, everybody's calling it the COVID year, the all money yeah, yeah, fourth yeah. seed, right? Listen, I get it. But during that season, teams were not making threes at an alarming rate against us. But it wasn't like we were defending all of them. Yeah, a lot okay. of them were open that they were missing. What's happening now, why I'm concerned is because, yeah, they, they didn't make as many threes. Thank God they didn't make as many threes. But they easily could have caught fire because those shots were open. That's it's, my it's, point. They're, they're open shots. That's what's scary to me. It's four games in. Where do you think how what percentage do you think the Knicks are giving up from three? I have the stat right here. So what percentage do you think they're giving up from three? I'll tell you, do you want to know the who's the worst and who's the best? Go ahead. The worst um in the league is the Indiana Pacers, which teams are shooting forty five point eight percent against them. Apparently apparently it's just Steph Curry going off on them every night. <laughs> um and the Clippers are number one at twenty seven percent. Where do you think the Knicks are? You watched last night giving up so many open threes. You, where do you think the Knicks are? Ten. And what percentage do you think? Forty-one. Okay. So the Knicks are actually fourth, and the percentage is thirty. Oh, okay. So, I guess my point there is our eyes are lying just a little bit in this because, like, the stats. And I know you're like, like, what, what does it do for you? Like, last year or whatever. But it seems like Tibbs' strategy with three-point shooting 
There are going to be some nights where it seems like Charlotte is hitting all their threes, but Charlotte's been hitting all their threes against everyone. But overall, like last night, Charlotte, Charlotte started 40% from three, and the Knicks' percentage after four games is 30%. So the Knicks are doing a pretty – and maybe they're going against teams that aren't hitting their shots, but like I have to say I, I questioned Tibbs on this on his – like I always feel like guys are open too much. But then you look at the stats, and over the course of the season – most of this, most games, it's this, this defensive strategy is working out. So I think people are giving him a little bit too much crap about this because it seems like he seems to know what he's doing on defense. Last year's team, you took away the best defender. The team like looked like garbage. From, like Randall stopped playing defense, and they ended up finishing I think like tenth or eleventh defense after starting off the year mostly like I think most of the year when they were when they were trying to contend they were uh, they were like twenty twenty second or twenty third defense. By the end of the year, they were up to like tenth. Tips again, can get them to play defense. And that's not if, – if the question is, do I think the Knicks will end up being a good defensive team when it's all said and done? The answer is very easy because we can look at history and kind of say, okay, yeah. well, that makes sense. Sure. But the road to get there, right, I want to see consistency. And, for, and unfortunately, Jalen Brunson has spoiled me because I expect a lot of consistency now. But still, consistency on defense. That's a thing. For, it's, it's a big thing for me because it shows commitment, not only, and it also shows your players are bought in. Because when you see that consistently, your players are bought in, and that takes your leaders to buy in. The good news is, Randall and Brunson, who are our leaders, have bought in. Clearly, have bought in. Randall still has to improve, improve his defense. I think again, he gets beat a little too often, and his emotions do get a little out of but control. He, I mean, yesterday that take foul that he got from uh from uh, Dennis Medina when he impeded his way. I mean, clearly, you know, when he made the okay, face okay. afterwards, he was definitely upset about something. In, in fairness, that was the worst tick foul call I've ever seen. Like, he just kind of bumped into him, but they were – like, it wasn't like he went out of his way to bump. Like, that was no, – no, he went out of his way. No, he, I – He walked up to him and pushed him with his shoulder. Yes, he did. I, 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 thought, I thought that was – I was like, oh, come on, that's not really a tick foul. It was just like, – he kind of just bumped into him, basically. I'm glad it was – it yeah. I might have gotten worse. I'm glad he didn't fall down or nothing. I'm glad he just kind of, like, just moved to the side because if he pushed him down like that, it could have been a flagrant. Because he pushed him with his elbow like that. <laughs> he did that. Did you not see him do yeah. that? He went like this to Dennis Medina. I mean, it, so basically, if, if Randall doesn't control his emotions and doesn't pout, he'll play defense. Yeah. And the defense is like, if he, if he tries, his defense isn't that bad. Correct. Um, yeah. he's, a, he's like a very athletic guy, obviously. Their bigger issue, though, last year, at the end of the day, their defense got up to like a 10th or 11th. Their <laughs> offense was still garbage. Brunson is the key to getting us from garbage to be top 10, 15, maybe top 10 offense. He can do that. He can make Randall more efficient. We are, our, our, our second unit is going to be better. Derek Rose, by the way, I guess they're limited. I guess the one guy whose bids are being limited on purpose, I guess the worry about injury is Derek Rose. Derek Rose has looked goddamn awesome in his minutes. Um, and to the crazy. point where you're like, you're like, yeah. I, I kind of want him to get more minutes, but I kind of understand the strategy of left playing him not that many minutes also. So, but man, he's looked off. And he could shoot. Like, is he Steph Curry he's now from three? almost automatic from three. Holy it's ridiculous. Crap. Like, who is he? Almost would... automatic. And he was never a three-point shooter. That's the crazy He never came into the league as a three-point shooter. No, the first time he came to the Knicks, we were like, he, we were like, this guy can't shoot a three. He's like a joke from three. Right. And the last couple of years, he's been 40% from three. He's been goddamn awesome. Rhodes has been incredible, but I'm very shocked because I was one of the big uh, guys who said that Rhodes healthy. He's going to play as many minutes as he wants, and maybe he still will. But 
as of right now, I mean, his minutes are limited. I don't mind it to your point because when he comes in, he's like a breath of fresh air. The way yeah. he can control the pace, the way because like he's like a point guard and coach on the on the court, just like Brunson is in a way. So you kind of get that same effect and feel. Obviously, he's not as athletic as he was and used to be. Of course, but he he obviously still has that mind and he knows Coach Thibodeau. He knows the way he plays, so he can definitely guide that offense very well. And you've seen him do that as well. So I think Rose is a great addition. Definitely surprised though by the minutes. Were you surprised he got like nine minutes? I was surprised. I think because he's coming off injury. I think they're worried about him getting injured. And I think they're just going to cut his minutes down. I think Tibbs is making a concerted effort to like, it's also playing the youth. Everyone's screaming for playing the youth. Derrick Rose currently is outplaying IQ. Um, He's a better player than IQ right now. But IQ is playing more because he's, because Tibbs believes that IQ, given more minutes, will play better. But I think it was some point last night where like IQ just was not playing that well. And he had De- Rose and IQ and IQ and Rose was deferring to IQ. He wants IQ to play better. At some point, Tibbs just pulled IQ from the game. I think he put Randall in, I mean, RJ in over IQ. But he was just like, I got to get it. And he had Derrick Rose take over the game, take over for a little while because he was like, I can't like, Derrick Rose is a much better second point guard right now than, than IQ. Um, at, in last night's game, and I want IQ to get better. But um, I do like the idea of, Rose kind of deferring a little bit to IQ so IQ will get better because we really do need IQ to be able to like play point guard also. IQ needs to be able to play as a point guard that can pass first because he has to understand that if he gets everybody involved because he can get a shot whenever he wants. We know IQ can do that. It's about getting everybody else involved. He needs to be able to do that and Rose is very good at doing that and he can tell when somebody is like struggling or needs to get that boost He'll pat, and that's why he can find IQ in these great situations. Like when he, you know, penetrates into the paint, he'll find IQ cutting into the paint because IQ's been doing that a little bit. And IQ's getting those easy little floaters or these easy layups. And again, for players who play, see the ball go through the hoop, gives you just a little bit more confidence. It, yes. and allows you to continue to play at that level. And when you are efficient on offense, I know people don't like to hear this, but it's unfortunately true. Play very good offense your defense will almost always match it. And with RJ, you can even see it. His offense wasn't there. His defense waned. And you saw in the Pistons game, when his defense, when his offense was there, he was a, he was a laces defender. He was guarding everything. So again, it it does influence players. So we have, we can't discount that. That's why if the threes are not falling, take it in, especially if Brunson's going to create for you and give you it, do it. Take it in, get yourself some confidence, and then start making your shots. Because I agree with you, Mark. I think IQ needs to break out of this slump. I can't keep seeing starts like this from him because it does remind me a lot of last year. So if you had to put a top five things that annoy you when you watch the Knicks, what would you put on that list? Because I'd put, like, I think I, we agree that RJ driving into three guys under the basket, just driving, like, for no regard to the basket even being close to open, that yeah. drives me crazy. Yes. Um. IQ just chucking, like just like no regard to where he's on the floor and just throwing it up with 23 seconds left on the shot clock. That drives me crazy. What yeah. other, what, what else do you put on that list of things that just drive you insane? I guess you could say the Randall, the, the ISO Randall spinning, which doesn't do as much anymore, but that's a little uh, frustrating. Let's see what else. Uh, Evan Fournier starting. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that, definitely that. Um, I would say Julius Randall's jab step. Hate that so god. You don't you hate much. the jab step? I hate it so <laughs> I, I when I'm talking about when I see it that my eyes 
almost avert the TV. Like, like I can't even look because I might vomit. I hate it so much, Mark. I don't. I rather him spin a a hundred times in the paint really? than see that fucking jab step. Because he jabs just a hundred times before he shoots the oh. ball. He jabs it for twenty seconds of the shot clock before he shoots the ball. But he's not doing as much this season. But yes, yeah. But no, no. Chris. The best thing about Randall this season, he's not even holding the ball for more yeah. than five seconds. It feels like he's it's just quick, and that's because Brunson's setting him up. He's getting set up to act in those moments, and he knows what to do because he's he's smart. He's not dumb. He makes some dumb plays. He did make some questionable plays late uh, against Charlotte, but other than those plays, he plays a very solid game. He knows how to play the game, and when you give him the ball in those spots in the positions that he can control, almost unstoppable. Like, against Kate Cunningham, underneath the basket, Brunson found him. You know that that particular matchup is illegal in some states? That's a <laughs> physical specimen in Randall against a little boy in Cade Cunningham trying to jump over him. Sit your little ass down. Cade Cunningham wasn't going to do anything against him. That's But, see, that's the thing that Randall can do. He can impose his will like that. And Brunson is able to capture that. It's been incredible to watch, Mark. The uh, I don't think I don't I don't know if I can finish the list, but um, one thing I actually want to talk about actually is uh, Mitch. His defense yes. is great. Not team talk about his defense. He did something last night that I want to see more of. He got the ball, and he shot the ball from seven feet outside the basket. It went that. right in, and I'm like, this should be something the Knicks try to do. Get Mitch to post up. Get him the ball down low. He's very athletic. He may not have like traditional post moves, but I think he can do more of that. And it'll be really like he's had these flashes. Last year he had a couple games where like there was one game he got the ball like by outside the three-point line. Noticed no one was guarding him and just drove to the basket. He dribbled the ball and just dunked. He is a force that is underutilized on offense. And him getting nine points last night, it's great. He only got nine points, whatever, and you're like pedestrian. It's the Knicks' fault, though. The Knicks have to get him more involved in offense. Guys, he's very efficient. Um, I know RJ and uh, um, Julius, everyone needs their shots. Tibbs has got to make Mitch get more shots because I think he is a weapon that is underutilized. If you use him more as a weapon on offense, it's going to draw more of the defense and make everyone else's life easier. I actually believe that Mitchell Robinson, in terms of his offense, I think you're going to be – Presently surprised at what you see from Mitch moving forward. Because I think that that lob that yeah. Brunson and him are working on, you can see them capturing a little bit. I think you're going to see that featured a lot more. And once that becomes a threat, the amount of destruction Brunson and hopefully Grimes and Randall and RJ are going to be doing, are going to be able to do in that paint is going to be exceptional. Because if you got a fear of Lobster and Mitchell Robinson looming all the way over you, and you don't know if that's going to hit you, the wing is going to hit you, or Brunson is just going to trick you, the options are what defenses hate. Because if they have to, if you got to keep them guessing, and they don't know what to do, you're just going to make easy basketball plays. Because you just got to read what they think you're going to do and do the opposite. And Brunson yeah. is almost, it's so crazy how good he is at that. Uh, just one last thing about Brunson. Are you going to propose to him? No, I won't. Not yet. Because I, I, I was going to. Uh, so it's, I think it's he's cool. already engaged. You're late. I'm sorry. Uh, no, well, but, I mean, uh, like, we can move to Utah. It's fine. <laughs> oh, no. God, no. Speaking of which, I just want to touch on this. 
How are the Utah Jazz not tanking? What is going on in Utah? They're three and one right now, right? They're so, one of the top uh, teams in the East. Did they not give away their two All Stars? Am I going crazy? Are they so still playing is, over there? Is this the ultimate Patrick Hewing theory? Oh, no. You know the Patrick Hewing theory, obviously. For anyone that doesn't, um, the idea that you remove the star player from your team and everyone no longer leans on the star and they better play better team basketball. Yeah. Rudy Gobert, Bogdanovich, and obviously Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell left the team. And suddenly they lead the league in like assists, and they're suddenly Jordan Clarkson's passing the ball. Everyone's playing great team basketball. They are obviously not going to have this good of a season. Um, but Danny Ainge, I just want to. I would love just to watch him watch these games, pull out his hair, and being like, like just screaming. Like I, I think the Knicks. Like anyone should be calling Danny Ainge right now and be like, Jordan Clarkson, I'll give you um a second round pick from nineteen from two thousand forty seven. Done. Just get him out of here. Anyone good? I think they've got like, like he's just watching us being like seeing Wembyana slip through his fingers. <laughs> oh my god! And it's uh, to be honest, it's like a a weird feeling because I don't want the Jazz to win. I don't uh, obviously I don't have any type of feelings toward the Jazz. It's just yeah. uh, given everything with Danny Ainge and stuff it's like true. that. I just don't want to. I, I hate Danny Ainge. So anything associated with him, I'm gonna hate a little bit. So I didn't really want to see the Jazz get off to a hot start. But the fact that they are and they're, they're potentially, I think it's four games in. Yeah, potentially they're not gonna get uh you know Wembyana. I mean, that's a, if they Isn't don't that, get him, and that's the reason that you wanted to do all of this, Danny Ainge, I'm, well, I'm a very happy man that you don't get him. And, right. you know, it's funny. If Dallas continues to lose, I don't know if they lost, and I got to check the score. But if they lost and they continue to lose, we still own the pick, right? Still have their pick, yes? We do have their pick, yes. Yeah. Okay. They're going to have a good year, but, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. We well, well, let, let's not say that too loud, all right? Yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, rooting – I'm rooting against Danny Ainge, so I'm rooting for the Utah Jazz to win. Oh, no. I love when teams t- can't tank properly. Yeah. So you loved what the Knicks were doing for a while then? Oh, my God. Because <laughs> we could never get it right. <laughs> we Anyways, could never get it yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Before, uh, before we head out of here, I just want to go through the uh, final games. Like you said beforehand, uh, Mark, the next two games are um, extremely tough. Uh, next five have, or games are pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get into the Nets and, every, and everything else. Cause before <laughs> we get to that Detroit schedule, game, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of other games before we get to that, you know, light Detroit game that we're trying to run yeah, towards yeah. right now. But before we get there, the two main games are in front of us right now. Uh, really are the games on Friday night against the Bucks and Sunday, uh, Sunday night against the Cavaliers. Now, the Cavaliers I want to get into uh, for a little bit, uh, just a little bit longer just because of the Donovan sure. Mitchell situation there. But just really quick on the Bucks. We spoke about it a little bit, but I didn't get your point on it. The Knicks against the Bucks. Obviously, this is going to be like really one of their true tests. Memphis, you could obviously make the argument was another test, but this one is a legit yeah. Eastern Conference threat contender. What do you think uh, about this Bucks team, number one, and where do you think this Knicks team is going to do against them? So the Bucks are a pretty good chance to go to the finals this year. In fairness, Memphis is one of the better teams in the NBA also. The Knicks played them pretty well. Yeah, It'll be a competitive game. Um, but I'd have to be a Knicks homer to say the Knicks are going to win the game. So uh, I hope that between the Cavs and the Bucks, if they go one and one, it'd be awesome. Can they go one and one? Yeah, I mean, the Cavs are beatable. And the Bucks, you can get them. Everyone's beatable. Everyone can lose a game. It's the problem. The issue is with Giannis. I, I feel like the real issue with Giannis is not even that he's so good. It's that the whistles, you blow the whistle for every goddamn thing he does. So it's almost impossible to guard him because the, the refs won't let you do anything against him uh, because they're just the star calls are just through the roof. They're insane against him. So what will happen is Mitch will get a bunch of fouls. Then Harsey will get a bunch of fouls. 
then you'll get to see Sims get a bunch of fouls. Um, and then we'll see Randall and Obi. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Um, Giannis is the fact. Everyone else, they have a very good team. And I think Milton, is he still out? Milton is still out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that helps. But um, um, and I'd, like, I'd like to beat Bobby Portis. Just because, uh, not that I have anything really against Bobby Portis, but I'd like to be. I'm a bitter person, so. Um, uh, I hear you. He did make some. He did make some salty comments toward the Knicks as well, too. I remember yeah. his comments. So, uh, but think. they're they're clearly one of the best teams in the East. So, uh, I the Cavs. I don't fully believe in the Cavs. Um, Ooh, that's I mean, they're good, so but wait, like they fully believe. Do you not think that they're they're not a top four top contender? Teams? No, no. So you don't see them even vying against somebody for like a final spot in the East. Like maybe. I mean, maybe they're they're semifinals. Maybe. I I think they uh before they got Donovan Mitchell. They were probably the eighth seed. And after getting Donovan Mitchell, maybe they're the eighth seed. Wow. I, I don't think – I don't think – I think we I think we made this huge thing about getting Donovan Mitchell. And the, all the prognosticators were like, oh, my God, they got Donovan Mitchell. Most most prognosticators have them at, like, seventh or eighth. Um, they're good. Are they that much better with Donovan Mitchell? They're better. I mean, you have they – were already, they were already able to score, score the basket, the basketball. Now you have a pretty short backcourt. Um, it's not like Mitchell's known for his defense. Garland's not exactly an amazing defender either. Um, yeah, you got some good players in the team, but uh, it's a long season. Um, and I don't know, man. I think, first of all, Garland and, and uh, Mitch don't really have to do anything, really. Because as long as they can give you that electric offense, which is almost guaranteed they're, yeah, with a backcourt yeah. like that, the defense is coming from Mobley and Allen. For the most part. And Mobley, again, and I'll say this, if he takes a step and can become an all-star this year, and I think he has all the tools in the world to do so, that team is the top is the top team in, in the East. It's a, it's probably right after the Bucks. I put them two, actually. I would take my top three back. If 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 Mobley takes a step, they will be right under two. And I, what I mean by Mobley taking a step, folks, is I mean he has to be an all-star. So he has to give me all-star numbers. 20, 15, give me some assists with that, some threes, some blocks. I need all of that from him. And you know what? It's crazy enough. He can do it this season. So Mobley, I totally believe Mobley's going to be an all-star. I don't know if it'll happen this season. Um, I just don't know. I mean, obviously, it's year two. Um, I would say I will – it's remain to be seen how good the Cavs are. I think the Knicks are going to put up a quite a fight against them. So do you think that they can escape this one I. Yeah, I think we uh, we lose to the Bucks. We beat the Cavs. That's my prediction. What's your prediction? I think that we beat the Bucks and lose to the Cavs. Okay. Because <laughs> I think the Cavs are the unfortunately uh, for this Knicks team. I think they're the harder matchup. The Bucks because they don't have Middleton. That's a re- that's really the big reason. Because Giannis again, Giannis is a force. Don't get me wrong. It's gonna take everything to stop him. But really, if you can control Giannis, the head of that snake, and build a wall. Hopefully Mitch can yeah. do something against him. I don't know what he's going to do, but hopefully he can try to stop him. If we can try to get something going against that and we make other people try to kill us, we will have a better shot. And I, that's why I think the Knicks will have a better chance of winning that game. The Cavs just have so many weapons. And I don't know if the Knicks are equipped right now to be able to handle all those weapons. Because Mobley's going to be able to stretch Mitch out a lot. And Mitch, again, is not comfortable there. We've seen that with Miles Turner. He's just not comfortable being that far out. And if he's not, if he's that far out, he's not going to get you those second chance opportunities, same rebounds. Again, the, those games are going to be harder. I, I, I really feel the Cavs are going to be a challenging team for them. I mean, last year in defense of uh, Mitch Robinson, he's, he broke his foot in the offseason, or he's healing from a pro heel broken fit, foot. So he came into camp not in great shape. 
um, was playing catch up. This year he came to the camp in great shape, wasn't heavy. Like he just looks better on defense and more agile. And I think he has better chance of coming. Like he's better at coming out the three point line than he was last year. Not that you want him out on the three point line that often. Yeah. Um, but he's already blocked a couple guys shots from from, from three. Right, right. And I'm not he's, saying that he can't. It's just that the, the problem is there are going to be people that get around him, that pass around him, and that, that's the thing. They want him up there so they can pass to the corner or pass to somebody cutting to get into the paint. So it's not even about him blocking. It's more about him just even being out there, being dragged out there. So the unfortunate part is the Cavs can do that to him. Mobley specifically is going to do that to him, and that's the problem. We're going to see an opening in the paint that we don't need, and he's going to have to run back. And you know when he runs back, that's how he gets those fouls. He usually because he runs into the defender at that point, but not so, versus when he's going at the defender jumping up. So that's the only I mean, concern that I have with it. I mean, the real unfortunate thing is the East is really good. This yeah. is the year, like that's the problem. The Knicks look pretty good, but like it's like the Celtics are a very good team. I'd like to say the Phillies falling off, but they're they're gonna they're gonna have a very good year also. Yeah. The Nets, I'd like to say, are going to fall off, but they're going to probably have a pretty it. good no, year. No, 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 I mean, no. I'm, it's fun to say the Nets are going to fall off. But, like, uh, listen, the Nets are going to – I mean, the Nets, once Ben Simmons can average up to four or five points a game, they're good. Like, <laughs> Oh, perfect. All right. So, so uh, I mean, I think his contract might expire. But, sure, you, we'll wait. You, by the way, so I, I think – so I said earlier Randall might win two-time most improved player in the year. But there's a net player that, that is in for a big award. So yeah. Ben Simmons right now is a favorite yeah. to get a participation trophy. He's oh, yeah? come to every game. <laughs> Did you see? I, I know we're going off a tangent, fans. And again, we're gonna we're gonna end the show really quick. Yeah, but, you know, me and Mark are having such a great conversation here. Um, do you did you see the uh, Nets game uh, yesterday with uh, Kyrie and what he said to Ben Simmons? No, what did he say? He said, "Shoot the ball, Ben." <laughs> yelled it completely. Ye- Everybody heard it. It was one of the biggest stories right out of the other news circuit. They all went around with that. They're talking about how terrible Ben Simmons is. And one person saying, a source saying, I don't know who, the source is saying it's because he doesn't want to get fouled. This is why he's not that aggressive. Because if he gets fouled, he gets a line, obviously. You know what? Comments? Like, I have to say, uh, the Nets and yeah. Philly both had a chance last year to trade their disgruntled star player. For CJ McCullough. Yes, that's true. Yes. They would both be a lot happier if they made that damn trade. <laughs> oh, I know Ingram is happier right now. I know Zion is happy right now because for all the efficiencies that CJ does do, because he's not he's he's a you know a streaky shooter. Yeah. He does a lot of other things very well. His defense is very good and he can pass. You know, he's a very underrated passer. And he finds Ingram. He finds uh, you know, um Zion. And Zion looks incredible. I mean, I, I gotta say it. Big Max or not. My man looks very, <laughs> very good, and he knows what works for him. He's been eating everything in that paint, destroying teams. The Pelicans look real. They look real. Pelicans they look, look really good. Very, yeah. very good. It's scary, and they are deep. It's scary. Oh my God, guys, I'm I'm calling it already. The the Pelicans are going to be a force this year. Memphis. It'll... Oh, and those two. And would Wait. you not love to see a Ja versus Zion playoff match? Oh my goodness gracious, that would be like a tale of the ages. I have to say, like, if you – Ja may be the most fun player to watch uh, – outside maybe Steph Curry. It's, ja is probably the most fun player to watch in the NBA right now. 100% agree. And unfortunately, Zion's a pretty fun, darn fun player to watch also if he can get on the court. And he seems, unfortunately, like he's been able to do that. But um, that's going to do it for us here today, fans. Mark has joined me from the New York Knicks podcast. Again, it's the longest-running <laughs> 
New York Knicks podcast out there. 10 plus years of greatness. You have to listen to it again. Check them out on Twitter. It's at New York Knicks podcast. And also check out their other show, The Brink of Sanity Show. That's another great one as well, too. Gives you all the laughs as well in case the Knicks lose. You can check that out and laugh yourself. Or, you know, cry yourself, whichever you want to do. Uh, I'm more on the crying side. But either way, fans, we really do appreciate it. Mark, thank you so much for coming on again today. This was, this was awesome. Thank you so much. This was great. Of course, of course. And remember, guys, this is going to be a collab episode. So you'll check us out on my channel and also on their channel as well, too. So don't make sure to check us both out. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. But until oh, well, next time, Nick fans. I want to say one last thing. Um, I think we're both going to be wrong. Nick's going to both beat Milwaukee and Cleveland. Let's just call it that. Crossing awesome. fingers for that. Fingers. But, Why not? <laughs> but until next time, Nick Fitz. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.